is Alicia Christian, and welcome to the Eating Me Podcast. Hey, y'all, it's Alicia, and welcome back to the Eating Me Podcast. Y'all, how in the world are we at the end of Black History Month? Like, how did this happen? And honestly, I mean, I know how this happened. We've had such an amazing time connecting and learning and meeting new people that have been so gracious with their time and skills and knowledge um, and were so willing, right, to share what they know and what they have, you know, offered all of us in terms of learning more about Black history this month. So I am beyond grateful to them. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I have been beyond blessed this month um, with you, just your presence, your energy. And like I said, all the wonderful things that you have shared with us and taught us this month. So thank you, Ia Dr. Funlayo Wood. Thank you, Megan McConnell. Thank you, Tamara J. Madison. And this week, I am giving a huge shout out to our guest, Chef Bobo D. Thank you so much, all of you, for being on the podcast. But particularly, thank you this week to Chef Bobo D. Thank you for this amazing conversation. I'm excited for y'all to hear this conversation. So let me share with you a little bit about Chef Bobo D. Chef Bobo D, a self-made vegan chef, he hails out of Kingston, Jamaica. Chef Bobo D is no stranger to the kitchen. He grew up in his granny's Hagley Park home where he watched and learned all of her secret recipes. Since then, Chef Bobo D has traveled throughout West Africa and Jamaica to learn how to blend and mix seasonings to make every meal a cultural explosion. Today, he offers a weekly meal prep using his recipes from his new recipe book. A passion for good food, Chef Bubble D has dibbled and dabbled with the idea of bringing his flavors to the world. Always preparing meals for family events, birthday parties, and other occasions, everyone has encouraged Chef to step out. And this is a word from the chef. I love uncovering surprising spices and dreaming up new flavor combinations. And we constantly search the globe for inspiration so we can create unique items that bring joy to people's lives every day. Oh, y'all, I am so excited for y'all to hear this conversation. I was beyond blessed to have this time with him. So I'm not going to keep you waiting. So without further ado, please welcome to the Eat Me podcast. Chef Bobo D. I'm here with Chef Bobo D. We are literally just meeting today, yes. but he has a wonderful energy and like kindred spirit. So I am really excited to talk with him about his um, culinary skills and there's also just his life experience um, as just being um, your native uh, from your native Brooklynite, right? Yes, well, you know, I'm from Jamaican parentage. I was born in New York, um, in Brooklyn. Um, I was I grew up in Jamaica, and uh-huh. then I came back to the to, to Brooklyn in my teenage years, in my early teenage years, like when I was about 13. And then I finished up um, public school. I went to PS233. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, nice! Uh, and then I um, I went to my 11 um, junior high, and then I left from New York, and then I moved to Florida. 
I mean, you've been everywhere. I love this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. So let's just get right into it. So I guess in terms of just me calling you, should I call you Chef Bobo D or, or is or is that Listen, cooler? I'm cool with that because that's my new moniker now. So, you know, I'm taking on the roles, so I'm taking on the name. So I'm I'm living, I'm living that that I'm living up to that standard, I, I should say, because I, I call myself a chef. I'm a self-taught chef. I, right. I know I wasn't formally trained, mm-hmm. but yet I was formally trained. <laughs> right. And I think I'm thinking about because as I was like reading up on you, I was like, oh, you learned to cook from your grandmother. Yes. And I also learned to cook from my mom, from my grandmother. And so because of that, I don't proclaim myself as a chef, but I cook really well. You know what I'm saying? And it's just interesting to know that a lot of people who don't technically call themselves chefs are actually really good in the kitchen because of who, like who taught them and just, you know, all the different, you know, things that they've been exposed to um, culinary wise. So just, Give us a rundown of how you became Chef Bubble D and all the things, not all the things, but what you did learn from your grandmother and that Jamaican like goodness. (laughs) Well, I mean, listen, when I was when I was younger, I grew up in in my mom when she actually left Jamaica and she came to the United States. I grew up with my grandmother, right? Mm. And in my grandmother, it was like 17 of us growing up in the house. So she took care of all 17 of us, right? Right. So in growing up in that environment, um, my cousin and I, when we grew up, we used to do it. Um, we used to cook food, but we call it, we used to run a boat, right? What is a boat? We used to come together and put our little lunch money together. And we used to go buy flour. We used to go pick ackee off of the tree, or we go go fishing and buy some fish from, buy some fish and come back and then we cook it. And then we share it amongst everybody that's there, right? So when you put your money together, you know, so everybody used to have a role, right? You would be the one that either need in the flour to make the boiled dumpling, or you'd be the one that go to go pick the ackee and clean the ackee. So everybody had a duty to play. So we all, so from that standpoint, I started learning little tidbits around cooking. And we used to make wood wood fire and cook wow. from, from the fire because, you know, we couldn't go in the kitchen and cook. All right. So we used to be outside and we used to catch, catch wood and we used to use the, the, the empty tire rim. Mm-hmm. And we used, to, we used to use that to cook with. Right. So that's how we used to cook. We used to cook in tin pans. And listen, it was off the chain, but <laughs> it was always like survival style learning. Right. Right. <laughs> so we out there playing survivor. Right. Learning how to cook, having fun. We go by the river sometime. We go to the beach sometime and we'll do that. Right. right. And then and just see my grandmother, how she will cook for so many people. And sometimes I'll go in the kitchen to help her. And from yeah. that, I used to learn. And then I had older cousins that used to help us with the cooking. And I just started picking up things from everybody in the house. And I had a cousin, his name is Teddy. To this day, he still cooks at the house and people come to the house to eat, right? I love that. Right, so it's like our house is one of those houses where we lived in Jamaica where anybody on the block could come to the house and they're guaranteed to get a plate. Right. Right, because that was like the, the, the food central. <laughs> I love that, and that's so funny because that resonates with me as well. Because our house growing up was that house, and yeah. I always joke with people and say when I would come home because my mom never locked our door. So when we would walk in, we would just see people like, "Oh, hey, what's happening?" No, you know, because people just loved being at our house, and I just love knowing that that's like a part of like the fabric that that you grew up in as well. It's yes. just. It, it's just good energy. I love that. Yeah, so definitely. So I, I had an affinity to cooking. Mm-hmm. And 
when I finally moved to New York and I was living with my mom, my mom was a single mom and I was the oldest of two sisters at that time. So my mom, she would go, sometimes she'll, she, you know, she worked two jobs. So she'd get up mm-hmm. early in the morning, go to work. Sometimes she'll cook like a meal for today and for tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And then my duty was to warm up the meal, right? And, and serve it to my sisters. And then one day she forgot to cook. So she called me, I was like, listen, I want, I want to teach her for cook rice. I'm like, she don't know that I was already dabbling already, right? So I'm like, okay. Right. <laughs> she gave me the instructions over the phone. I'm like, okay, boom. I did everything that she told me to the T, right? Mm-hmm. The rice got a little sticky at the bottom, but it came out, right? It was eatable, right? right. And, and she came home and she ate it. She was like, okay. And then she was like, what else you know how to do? I'm like, yeah, we used to run bowling in Jamaica. I know how to boil dumpling and I know how to do. She said, what? <laughs> and, <laughs> and then it started from there. So I found myself at 13 cooking dinner mm-hmm. for my sisters while my mom was at work. And she'll come home and eat it. And she's like, listen, this was good. You're doing good. Yeah. So, you know, that's how, that's how I came out into the world as a cook. And then eventually through time, growing up and cooking and being more getting getting better at it and and mm-hmm. and even transforming my lifestyle from eating meat right. to, a, to a vegan lifestyle um you know i just took that same skill set and just brought it over into that same situation and it, you know here i am <laughs> i love that and so what was that transition like for you to be go from eating meat to then going vegan like was there something that like you just like was it like a decision that happened or like a health thing or like what what brought you to that conclusion to be uh vegan well i le- well growing up in the jamaican culture and you know, listening to bob marley and peter tosh and and all these reggae um artists that were rastafarians and they used to talk about healthy eating idol eating eating healthy foods you know knowing that when you the when you eat correctly you could put more time on your lifespan or you could mm. make your, you could heal yourself from certain disease that's in your body just by right. the food and then just understanding from a spiritual standpoint that your food is your medicine right and we should make our medicine our foods right. understanding that concept it was easy for me now to start saying oh, listen a, a lot of these food that i was eating wasn't really good for me in terms of you know what i mean on a health standpoint and then coming from a spiritual standpoint knowing that the energy that you that you that you have in between the interaction when you eat your food, you're eating from an animal, you're taking on that energy from the animal and knowing that a lot of these animals, when they're slaughtered, I call it slaughter, when they're taken, right. to, the, right, they're taken to the slaughter, they release chemicals in their bodies mm-hmm. that we in turn consume. And from not only from that standpoint, we also consume the foods that they're fed. And if they're fed on these GMO steroids, all these stuff, then we are consuming that ourselves. So from looking into that historically, spiritually, I just decided that this is not the path for me and I changed my path. And once I did that, I found myself um, from a health standpoint, feeling more healthier, Mm -hmm. um, thinking clearer, and even from a spiritual standpoint, feeling on a higher vibrational. Because when you start eating vegetables and fruits, you start taking on a different energy and a different uh, vibrational frequency. Right. And just seeing how all of that tied in into into who I was becoming as a as a man from a spiritual standpoint. Um, I thought that was the right fit for me, you know what I mean, in my journey. So right. that just 
opened me up to start exploring more when it comes to food and the viability that it has in terms of a sustainable way for me ecologically, you know, right. and also in a way that's more health, um, in a proactive way to be healthy then, right? Yeah, no, I love that. And it's so funny because I actually am vegan as well. And I went vegan because of health concerns. And I hear you on the idea of like, obviously I feel a lot better, right? Yeah. I've been vegan since like what, 2009, but on the spiritual aspect, like I didn't even connect that initially. It was more so I need to just change my diet, right? right. And now with me talking to more people about the spiritual components of eating, I'm like so much more interested in like really taking in that information about how that vibrational frequency is a part of this whole process. And so how do you like define that? Because I know some people are probably like, what does food and vib vibrational frequency and spirituality have to do with any of this stuff? Like, so what, what does that look like for you and like what you've learned um, with being vegan and just spirituality in general? Right. I mean, if you think about it, when you look at all major religions, right, no matter what religion you want to call them, when they get into certain spiritual aspects of their religion or their spiritual practices, they normally fast. Right. Mm. And when they fast, Sometimes their fasting might be, I'm going to abstain from meat. I'm going to eat fruits and vegetables because right. I'm going on a journey. And for, in order for me to be on this journey, I need to release some of these toxins that's in my body, release some of this heaviness so I could feel more um, ready or, or feel more high, have high, high energy in order to, to focus fully on what you're trying to manifest do that fast because when we're fasting it's really us going internally into ourselves and trying to get more in depth with ourselves and in doing that um you know that a lot of foods that we eat that's animal byproducts you know it has a lot of heaviness to it right right you know you know we had the old thing that when we eat you know we start getting the itis right <laughs> you start feeling way down you want to go to sleep right, right. so so in, in 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 trying to focus yourself on that vibrational frequency within a spiritual aspect, you know, when you find yourself fasting and, and, and start eating fruits and vegetables that's alkalized, that could change the DNA structure in your body mm. and give you certain um, chemical releases that's, that's really helping you in terms of dopamine and certain things that could heighten your spiritual awareness, I should say. Yeah. And, and I find that when I fast more often and I break my fast and I, and I eat fruits and vegetables, you know, it, it, it keeps it, it keeps me, I think, on a on a on a balanced plane. You know, what I mean, both right. physically and spiritually kind of keep me balanced. So I think for me, food has a lot to do with it, because um, if you think about it from a religious aspect, you know, whatever your altar is, whether you go to church or whatever you you practice African spirituality or even Eastern um, Asiatic spirituality, because they all have their altars set up. Right. Right. From my knowledge and my understanding, the second greatest altar to that is the kitchen, mm. right? Because the food is a staff of life, right? right. Food, we eat, you know, some of us, I want to say, we eat, some of us have to eat to live. We have to, we eat to live. We don't right. live to eat, right. right? I think that's the best way to put it. And just interacting with some of my brothers from the Nation of Islam, right? The Honorable Elijah Muhammad put out a book called 
called How to Eat to Live, where you learn how to fast mm. and you eat one meal per, or you eat within, within a time span of one time for the day. Right. right? And what you, when you do that, you, you, you make that time frame um, full with foods that's going to nourish the body. Right. Right. Where you could get all your nutrients and, and that and then it's easy for you to digest so you could continue on your journey because there's a lot of different methodologies to eating, right? Mm-hmm. You you have people that eat on certain time frames. They don't eat after certain times because you know that your body don't get to digest the food and your body keeps on working. So I find that when you're eating on, on a vegan diet, the food absorbs so quickly in your body that your your organs don't have to put in all that extra work. Your body right. don't have to secrete. All, all the acids that they need to cre- secrete to digest and break down the food. Your food is breaking down easier, right? right? And that gives your body time to rest, right? right? And I think rest is not just only you sleeping, but your body, your organs, everything needs to be at rest, right? Drinking more liquids, drinking more water. So for me, it's food and spirituality go hand in hand in, in terms of how, 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 we, how we bring ourselves to a higher frequency and higher vibration of ourselves. Thank you so much for that. that. That was just beautiful, the way you put that. Because for me, I have struggled with eating my entire life, right? And there was never a connection for me where food was a spiritual thing. And so, like I said, now that I'm learning more about that, I'm finding myself not eating as much and really being mindful of what I uh, eat. You know, like, uh, it's just so it's just so fascinating to me how... Because, I mean, growing up in America, and I grew up in the Midwest. I'm from Evansville, Indiana. So there's nothing to do there but eat and, yeah. like, go to the movies. And, um, yeah. So, like, <laughs> so entertainment was eating as opposed to being nourished. You know what I'm saying? Correct. So you're just not even thinking about okay, this food is for my body, for its, for its preservation, for its longevity. Yes. So this is just me eating and I'm here with my family and we're just, you know, cracking jokes. And of course, we're not eating the best things, right? And it's just, I think, I don't know. I don't know how you, I don't know what you're seeing, but I feel like people are, 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 are more awake or like having this awakening around food that's not happened in my lifetime. Like, are you seeing that? You know yes, what I'm saying? I- Listen, I, I see, I see. If especially going on social media, everything right now is about people eating healthier and taking more control because <laughs> people are getting educated. Yeah. And and to me, the internet is a gift and a curse, right? Right. <laughs> you have all this information out there, all these health gurus that's coming out, Doctor Sabi, Doctor Leila Africa, all these health gurus that come out and teaching you how to eat to live, and right? Telling you that the food, you know, and because it's Black History Month, we gonna keep it Black History. Right? Yes, I love it. So, you know, our people, our ancestors who came over here, right, in the triangular slave trade, mm-hmm. right, kidnapped and brought into the Western Hemisphere, you know, we had to learn how to survive under these circumstances. Yes. Right? Now, we used to have what we call the standard slave diet, mm. right? Yep. And, and when you think about the food that we used to eat, coming from the chitlins, coming from these things. We had to kind of, in Jamaica, we call it, we, we turn our hand and make fashion because we had to use what we have, mm-hmm. right? And because coming from, our ancestors coming from Africa, you know, we know how to spice things. We know how to add our flavors to it. That we right. had the same slave masters putting the food that we used to cook for them that they wanted 
and wanted to come and eat the food that we were cooking, which now we call soul food. Mm, yes. Right? But then when you think about what these food contains, we see a lot of high blood pressure. We mm-hmm. see um, diabetes. We see these things coming into our communities. And when we think about it, sometimes we want to say, oh, these things are coming down through our DNA and it's coming down through family. You know, they go to the doctor, oh, what's your family health history? Oh, diabetes, okay, from your grandmother had it and your mother have it and you want to have it. No, but these are things that is really what was brought down from a generation to another generation. Because if you check the culture, you go into the house, if your mother's feeding you ham hocks every day and chitterlings, right? Mm-hmm. It's going to affect you. It's going to affect your brother. It's going to affect your sisters. You want to come yes. down to see your family. So then whatever hypertension ran in the family, it wasn't something that came from a family lineage. It came from the food that was being eaten mm-hmm. throughout that family's generation. Yes. Right? Yes. So, uh-huh. so, for, so for us, knowing that we are coming from a continent that is not in the ice or, you know, we had luscious, um, uh, vegetations. We had wonderful weather. We had water, so we had vegetation. We were eating from the ground. We were eating from. We were eating from Mother Earth. That's what we used to nourish ourselves. So, if you check what we brought here from Africa to Americas in terms of food, a lot of the foods that we eat in our culture right now, the black eyed peas, that's something that we brought from Africa. Right. Okra is something that we brought from right. Africa. Cassava, all these different things that we eat, sweet potatoes, all these different things that we eat. We still eat it now today, right. right? And I think as we start educating ourselves and start understanding that we are people that lives off of the that lived off of the vegetation, I think we'll start taking it back because vegetarian is nothing new in our society. This is actually coming out of Africa because we were in an environment that was conducive for agriculture, right? Right. So that's why we were brought here as their free labor for agriculture. Mm. We are agriculture specialists, right? Right. We grew rice. We grew yams. We, you know, what I mean, so these things that's brought here in the Americas, not just North America, but I'm talking about Americas, North, South, Central, and the Caribbean. Right. You could see the the sprinkles of of Africa all throughout the, the diaspora, right? right? In terms of peanuts, groundnuts, um, um, black-eyed peas, um, lime beans. All, all these different produce that we eat now, collard greens, all these, these are things that we brought back from Africa. When we were coming over here on the ships, we used to put the seeds in our mouth. In Jamaica, where I'm from, mm-hmm. ackee, which is a national dish, came from Africa, right? So right. these are things that we, we started to discover about ourselves that we started learning more about, about our history. And I think it's only natural once you start connecting with that side of yourself, you start yearning to return back to that way of life. And once you start understanding what that way of life is, I think a lot of us now start, um, you know, exploring being vegan, exploring being vegetarian, exploring eating, uh, being pescatarian, eating fish and and cutting off certain things that we know that we as a people never used to eat. Right. I think a lot of it was based on our survival mode. And I think once we come out of that stage of survival mode, now we could start understanding ourselves and knowing what we were connected to and start connecting to these things that was already a part of us, you know, right. from, 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 from creation. I love this. Like, this is just beautiful. This whole conversation, I'm just like, just taking it all in. And I'm, 
thank you for acknowledging that whole idea of survival mode. And I, knowing like, I, when I think about my grandmother, I think about my mother and everyone and just how they would just talk about how they were living, but then they still passed down certain things um, in terms of how we ate. And it was by way of survival. I mean, the food tasted amazing. Of Let's course. be serious. Of course, <laughs> but, of course. We still but, <laughs> but it wasn't good for us. Right. I mean, I grew up, we didn't eat pork, but we did eat a lot of heavy food, right? You know, a lot of butter, a lot of, you know, just things that were just covered in gravy and whatever else. Um, but we, I, the on the other side of like chitlins, we ate tripe. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So we there's still those innards that we've still ate because that was just a part of the fabric. So I guess for me, in terms of like people surviving, right? We're thinking about Black people that are just still in that mentality of eating chitlins and tripe and all these innards. What does that, and maybe we don't even have the answer to this, but like, what does that look like for us to educate them about the fact that these things are really by way of slavery and not who we are as true African people? Right. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And, and I'm glad you, you, you fashioned that question that way, because when we think about, just like I said earlier, you know, we talking about the standard slave diet. Now we, tricked ourselves to call it soul food. Yes. There's nothing soulful about that. Mm. Right? When you're talking about the inners, and, 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 the, and, and I'm trying to tell you, our experiences in the diaspora is one and the same because here you are talking about your experience growing up in America, right? Uh -huh. I could tell you my experience growing up in Jamaica. We used to yeah. eat liver, liver. Yes. Right? We used to eat tripe, right? <laughs> so we could see that it's a standard slave diet from throughout the diaspora because we mm. got the what was left. Mm, right. Right. And like you said, because we are in survival mode, we had to take this and feed our family. Yeah. Right. Because we we weren't we we were not allowed to farm. We we grow all of the stuff in the bush. We had all of the yam and cassava and stuff and, and, and collard greens that we grow, right? And, and and we used to farm that and bring that to our and, and eat. But what was given to us by the slave masters was the what what was the what left of the animals that they were eating. Mm. Right? right. So we had to turn around and survive right? right so growing up in that psyche generational after generation after generation these become this become now a generational thing so it's it's, it's ingrained in our dna and in our culture mm -hmm. and it takes that one person to say listen this is not good this right. is not good right? right and now now that we're getting older and we get into and we start going to the doctor and the doctor said listen you started you need to ease off of this and start eating more of this and we're like Okay, now you're telling me to eat vegetables now? <laughs> you know what I mean? I can't eat no more red meat. I can't do this. I can't do that. So right. we see that after a while, we we put this, we go, we put ourselves through this punishment mm. of eating the foods that's not good for us, calling it food that's good for us, right? Because right. it's something that's ingrained in our family history and our family culture. So you come over grandma's house on Sunday and Sunday dinner. Yeah, you want to have your chitlins, you want to have your your ham, you're gonna have your, you know what I mean? Because these are the things that we grow up eating, thinking that it's good for us. And now once we come in, it's that one person from that family is gonna come and say, Listen, this is not good. We need to stop eating like this. And here go the history. Boom. Right. Now that's like laying it hot and heavy because you're telling somebody that's doing this for generations, so like, yo, this is not good for you. What you do? You said, Man, you crazy. This is what my family done grew up from. Daddy lived to 88 eating this. Right. 
You know what I mean? So I don't know what you're talking about, but yeah, yeah, we understand that. But still, we have to understand the dynamics of what the food industry, right, is changing in terms of the direction that you're going with food nowadays. Mm-hmm. I could say probably 50, 60 years ago, I could probably agree with you on certain points and eating right. certain things because growing a chicken 50 years ago in terms of growing a chicken now is like totally different. Yes. Right? So I think we have to be more mindful because now the food industry now weaponized food. Yes. Right? And not only is it affecting us and our health, it's also affecting the planet itself. So we have to be mindful. And um, I saw a quote from Albert Einstein today, which I actually um, posted in my story on my Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that Einstein actually said that. I'm, and, I, and I went to a vegan restaurant the other day and I saw it. And I'm like, I was kind of blown away. He said, nothing will benefit health and increase the chances for survival of life on earth as evolution to a vegetarian diet. And when I saw that, I'm like, wow. wow. Yeah, that took right. me away. Right? To see such a brilliant mind could put it in that way to say that this is not just about eating it's about sustainability it's about the impact that we're doing back to the earth you know what i mean what are right. we what are we what are we doing to grow all these chickens to feed all these people what are we doing to grow all these cows where's where do all the oxtails come from right <laughs> you know what i mean you know what I'm saying? Where Burger King could sell a burger for 99 cents, and <laughs> what, where does this meat come from? Exactly. Right. And then we start seeing them start dibbling and dabbling and going into to DNA and start doing GMO product. Now they go from the seeds to the plants. Now they go into animals. So it's like this big experimentation, and we're like the experiments, right? That, that we're trying to experiment on, and 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 you know we're the guinea pigs that they're experimenting on, and and it's like for me. We have to start going back to growing our own stuff and going right. back and going back to the earth and learning how to nourish ourselves from what the, the creator has provided for us. Because, you know, you put the seed in the ground, you water it, you care it, and it brings and produces a fruit that could nourish your body and, you know what I mean, and give you sustenance right. to go through. So I think we now are coming into that state of enlightenment. Yes. Right? And I think that's what's changing the direction so big mama now is like okay she started listening right and right. now we're getting creative with taking soul food and veganizing it and yes. showing them that there's a different way that you could consume this without killing yourself right no i love this i love it because actually i saw on your i think it was on your instagram where you created a vegan version of aki and um saltfish, saltfish. yes with jackfruit. Yes. And I just thought that was so interesting because just knowing like what, like the origins of Aki and saltfish and how you yes. completely changed that whole concept of it because that was part of like that, that well, not, not so much Aki, but the saltfish was brought yes. over. So it yes. was a part of like that, that cheap food that you could give to slaves, exactly. right? Exactly. I loved your approach to that and just completely changing the game on that. And I'm glad you brought that up because Jamaica, Aki and saltfish is a Jamaican national dish and saltfish doesn't come from Jamaica. You can you cannot go into right. any sea or river and get a salted fish. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, so to see that and, and you know, 
just learning it, understanding the different dynamics of food, right? Because, you know, ackee is a fruit. Right. Right? But you could cook it. Right? Jackfruit is a fruit. Right? And when it's in the, when it's in the green form, not when it's ripe, you could use it to make dishes. Mm. Right? And I use jackfruit a lot. I use palm of hearts. Oh, yes. Right? I love, yes. I use palm of hearts a lot. I use also the b- banana palm as well. Right? Mm. And mushrooms. Those are all my meat substitutes. Right. Yeah. So I, 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 you know, I've seen a lot of there's a lot of chef, innovative chefs out there that are watching out and I and I'm like, listen, I start learning these different ways of putting these things together to make my own meat substitutes. Right. So I even have my own vegan oxtail version that I made. Oh, nice. That make, right. That I use mushrooms. I use the same jackfruit. Right. And I make my own vegan version of oxtails. Right, my bone is a carrot or a celery. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. I love that. <laughs> that is so interesting. So that's that's like a perfect segue. So your your cookbook, um, Idol is Vital. Where did this title come from? Because I was like, I've been wanting to ask you that as soon yeah. as I was like, I, I've got to find. Where did this title come from? Okay, so you know my background um, in my spiritual practice, and I I, I follow the Rastafari tradition. So growing right. up, growing up in that tradition. Um, we used to say idol. So idol, the word idol means without meat, no meat, no dairy, mm-hmm. no salt, no type of, of, of um, animal byproducts, right? Mm-hmm. Now, vital comes from the word vitality, right? Right. So when we talk about eating idol food, so idol is vital. So it's, it's vital for you to eat. Foods that are non-dairy, non-meat, non. Yeah. So that's how the term came together. So, idol is vital. It's a term that a lot of Rastafarians coin as mm. to the way of life or how they eat, right? So I just added the word liberty to it because I added it as a lifestyle. Instead of saying idol is vital lifestyle, I just put my Jamaican twisted and say liberty. Yeah, I love so, it. Right, so that's 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 my way of life. That's how right. I live. You know, what right. I mean? that, that's that's the choice that I make. And for me, I've been. I want to say 30 years, mm. right? Eating like this. Wow. Um, actually 47. Um, and for me, the food, I think, helps to slow the aging process. Yes. It helps to give you more energy. Mm-hmm. Um, being a 47-year-old, I don't really feel 47. I'm, I go right. to the gym every morning. I'm, I'm running with the young bucks same way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so for me, to, for me, living this way of life is just adding... A more richer experience for me right. in terms of how I'm able to enjoy my children because I have mm. four children. Their, their their age ranges from 27. The youngest is nine. Oh wow! Right? So I'm learning. I'm learning how to keep up. Yeah, <laughs> everybody, and I need the energy to go. So definitely, I think um, entering into this lifestyle not only helps you on a higher vibration frequency mm-hmm. towards my spiritual practice, but it also helped me in terms of adding more years to my life right but we don't know what the future has for us all but while you have control and being proactive you could definitely take care of yourself and this is one of the way i use as self-care practices for me i i thank you for saying that because some people will say oh it doesn't matter you're gonna die anyway and it's just like 
But while you're here, while right? You're here. Don't you want to feel good? Yes. Yeah, let's stay present. You know what I mean? I'm not worrying about the, the, the past because that's depression. I'm not worrying about the future. That's anxiety. I want to be in the present moment. And while right. I'm here in this present moment, I want to be the, my optimal self. Mm-hmm. And the only way for me to be my optimal self is by eating foods that's going to make me feel optimal. If you have a Ferrari, you have to service it. You have to put the right gas, the right oil to make right. it perform. Right. right. And this is my Ferrari. I love it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so we, we have to take care of it. We have to treat it. What you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. Right. So if you want to feel good in yourself, if you want to mm-hmm. wake up feeling alive, you, you eat food that make you feel that way. You drink juices. You, you, you eat the, the right things that's going to give you that energy. Right. So when you get up and say, listen, I'm going to go. I want to go full 100 today. You right. have the fuel. To, to perform and to do that. So I think this for me does that for me. And, you know, for other people to each their own, but for me, this is what brings that for me, for myself and how I, how I live my life. Oh, I love it. So I want people to get this cookbook because I just knowing the, the food that you've discussed. So all of these recipes that you have, are they all Jamaican um, inspired or, or is it, other like well this is my first this is my first cook i have some other cookbooks that i'm working on right now but my first cookbook was just an ode to my culture right uh-huh. and, and being coming out of the rastafari culture um i just put took all my favorite jamaican dishes and just veganize it right mm. i say i because i'm trying to keep it to my culture for what i because for me veganism is a new thing right yeah um, from the Rastafari movement from the ninth, from the early 30s and 20s, they've been doing this type of lifestyle. They've mm-hmm. been living this type of way. So I think that now everybody jumping on this vegan bandwagon and this plant-based bandwagon. I'm like, listen, I know this thing from how long people been talking about ital food and not eating salt, not eating meat, not eating pork, and not eating all this. This has been something that I, this is something that I grew up in my culture with. So I'm gonna maintain the integrity of that. And like, listen, this is ital. I, yeah. Sometimes I put the session for vegan, so for those who don't know that they, they can understand where right. I'm coming from. You know, right. so I, that's why the word Ita was was infused in that. And so this first book that I put out was more owed to the culture that I'm coming from and showing people in my culture or people that love Jamaican cuisine that's vegan now that listen, you can still enjoy Jamaican food. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, you can still enjoy your curry chicken. You can still you know, enjoy your curry goat because I got the substitute for that. And there's ways that you could use plants to substitute that and still have the same flavor. Because at the end of the day, it's really about your, the spices. Yes. Right? I tell people, I could make shit taste good. I could add sugar and spice. <laughs> I love it. Right? I'm, I'm serious. It's just the spices that you add to it. And they eat it like you eating shit. But you, know I mean? <laughs> you know, just like in the, in, in, in the movie, The Help. When she yes. made that, right? The shit pie. Yeah. The shit pie, right? She didn't know that was shit pie because that shit tasted good. Right? <laughs> oh my gosh, that's hilarious. No, but it's true. I mean, I because growing up, like it was all about the seasoning, you know, all my family. If you didn't season stuff well, you would they would let you know. I basically yes. they yes. Would let yes. you know. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So this is another thing. So your daughter, now, does she have a cookbook as well, like with listen, sweets, right? Listen, my daughter inspired me to write my book. Oh, right? I love it. I want to tell you the pandemic hit and we were home. 
Uh-huh. Right? She loved to bake, right? And she was like, she started messing around, making her vegan um, products. She was making cookies, brownies. <clears throat> right. And we took it to a friend of ours that's that's in the that's in the industry and they're vegan and they're uh-huh. they're 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 influencer on, on Instagram. And it was like, listen, this is good. You need to write a book. Right. She said, you write the book and we'll promote your book for you, right? Oh, nice. This little girl in two weeks turned around a digital book. Wow. And when she put it out, I'm like, listen, you just inspired me because when I came up in the cooking, a lot of people said, oh, you need to open a restaurant, this and that. And uh-huh. to move to the point where to kind of jump over to that, and me and my wife, we started uh, um, doing tours to Africa and we bought land in Africa and we were doing our whole thing in Africa and we were planning to move to Africa. So I'm like, I don't want to open a restaurant right now right. because that's going to keep me tied and it's going to be hard for me to move around because the responsibility mm-hmm. falls on me, right? Right. So I'm like, that won't be it. And then in seeing when she launched her book, and I'm like, listen, if I launch a book, I could do the same thing and give because the recipes is, is the recipes is not like a secret. It's not like a, I created this thing. And no, nah, this is everybody have their own. You could go on YouTube and you could see a million versions of vegan oxtails. Right. right. So the information is out there. But I'm like, nobody could do it like me. Mines is mines, right? Right. And I, and I have um, Dr. Um, Baba Carbonet. He's he uh, he's on Hidden Colors. He's a historian. And he used to, my wife used to bring him to Florida to do seminars and stuff like that. And when he come, he's vegan. I used to cook for him, right? And he used to go in his seminars and he used to be like, listen, Brother Damon, man, listen, that brother could cook. I don't <laughs> care. He could give you his recipe and you could cook it just like him. But listen, the way that brother put that love in that food, I don't think you could do it just like how he do it. So he like, listen, man, no matter who has a recipe, I don't think nobody had the blessing that you have with your hands in terms of how you season stuff. Wow. You know what I mean? And, and that's like you're saying, it's all about the seasoning. Yeah. It was hard for me to do the book because I'm like, okay, I need to do three quarters teaspoon of this. I'm like, man, you got to dash that thing. Your ancestors <laughs> tell you to stop. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you ain't sneezing, the food ain't seasoned right. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's, that's how it was for me. So when she came out and she did it, I'm like, listen, I'm going to do a book. Mm. And basically, I was already cooking... Everything that I got in my recipe book, I was already cooking anyway. So I just started taking the time to start documenting what I was cooking. Right. And then that's how my book was born. And then it transitioned from me doing the cookbook. Now I'm starting doing videos to put on YouTube. So I'm also start building content now for YouTube. And now I'm moving forward and trying to do, not trying, but I'm working on a subscription um, through Patreon where people could come on for a small monthly fee. Nice. And I teach them how to cook vegan food because i'm more not into those who are already vegan i'm more into those who are trying trying to transition Transition. yeah right i'm I'm more catering to the people because for me when i was transitioning it was a slow transition and my wife and i did a program a couple years ago years ago called vegetarian one-on-one teaching people how to transition to a healthier lifestyle Right. right and some of the vegan food that was very soy based were very good transitional food but we're telling them learning how to transition, you don't have to really go soy-based because a lot of soy-based materials are GMO products. And soy, there's a lot of estrogen and things like that. So I try to formulate all my dishes to be soy-free. 
Mm, nice. Right. And then exploring that and doing the research for that. That's how I came into using mushrooms as substitute for certain things and learning how to use the heart to palm and using how to use a banana, the banana heart. And, and these things I used to substitute for fish flavors and for meat flavors and for certain type of textures that we are used to when we're eating beef or eating chicken. Right. A lot of these different products um, gives you those same textures. And then right. once you put the season and the flavor to it, man, I have you licking your fingernails and biting all of the fingernails. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's so true. <laughs> I, um, I, it's this company called Fable and they have made these shiitake mushrooms mm -hmm. in a way that, I mean, they are so meaty. It's unbelievable. Like, it's oh, so man. good. Listen, I, I've been dabbling with eggplants, cauliflower. Yes. You know, there, there are so many different things that we could use wherein that now we understand how to start putting these things together to make it look like oxtail or make it look like chicken, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, I, I have my, my fried chicken. Like right now, tonight, my kids are dying. They're like, listen, Dad, when you get off this podcast, <laughs> I need you to make me my fried chicken sandwich, right? Because, uh -huh. you know, you know the, they, say, they say that my, my biggest competition right now, if I go out here in the world, is to go, go up against Chick-fil-A, right? Really? Yeah, there's, there's, and, and they don't eat chicken, but we just always pass Chick-fil-A and see these long lines like around the block. And we're like, I wonder what they, is they really serving chicken up in that place? Right. Oh, they got, they doing something because listen, these lines around the block for chicken is off the chain. Like, I'm like, what's going on with their chicken? Listen, I've not had meat since 2009, but I'm telling you, Chick-fil-A, that chicken sandwich is fire. It is so good. Right. So <laughs> in, in, in learning from friends who eat meat and when they taste my chicken sandwich, they're like, listen, yeah. man, listen. You need you. I think you need to go rival. You need to go up against Chick Fil A because you your your chicken sandwich is banging. I'm like, okay. I need to come to Florida. Then. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> no, you know, so, I love that. I love yeah. like chicken sandwiches, or you know, not not anymore, but you know what I'm saying. Right. That flavor, oh, it's so good. Right, so you know, going into a plant based lifestyle, you you you're not losing anything. Right. Right. You just have to be creative on how you because a lot of people are oh, you're vegetarian, you're vegan, or oh, you eat a salad all day and fruits. And what do you eat? I'm like, listen, if you think about it, there's more variety of plant-based foods than yes. there is meat. There's only so much way you could eat cow. Exactly. Right? There's only so much way you could eat chicken. Right. Right. And or fish or whatever. There's only so many, you know I mean, unless you start going into these different exotic things that you want to eat. Right. right. But think about when you think about plants or fruits or vegetables, there's so much variety. Yes. Right. That you could eat something different without repeating yourself. Right. It's so true. Cause I, I find now that I'm more creative yes. with my cooking because I am plant-based as opposed to, like you said, when you are, when I was eating meat and maybe some people, they might have some major, you know, creativity adventures with it, but right. I ate the same things over and over again when I was yeah. eating meat. Like it was just yeah. like blah. Here I am, just throw some mess together and be done. Yeah. But like now, I really am putting thought in it, and I love it because especially when it tastes good, it's like, oh, this is yes, okay, yes. like it's something right. new I've, I've discovered. You know exactly. And then you know, there's so much variations when it comes to a plant based diet. You know, you have people that eat, you know, because I try to incorporate everything. I do raw sometimes, mm -hmm. right? Sometimes I do liquids only, right? right. Sometimes I do smoothies or soups or you know, there's so much different variations you could do depending on what you're trying to achieve. 
Right. Right. For me, because for me, it's about what I'm trying to achieve for that moment. Because you know, you you, you have different seasons, and certain foods grow in certain seasons. So if you try to make sure that you incorporate the foods that's growing in that season, then you have a different, you know, that okay, it's autumn. So you know, a lot of things is pumpkin and things like that. So right. you eat more pumpkin and you eat more foods that's in alignment with that season. Right. Right. So you find yourself varying off in different winters and summers and springs and different variations of food because Mother Earth is going to produce what it could produce in those times. And this is the bounty that you had to, 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 to eat from. Right? Yes. So I found myself that it's, it's not being, staying consistent, eating the same things. I found myself that, okay, we know that autumn is coming. This, this, is, this is what's going to be reaped in this month. So you find these more in, in, in the farmer's market and stuff like that. Right. And then you start learning different ways of preparing these meals. You know what I mean? And that's like I did my whole spaghetti squash or spaghetti or squash lasagna. That's, that's like just eating foods in the time that um, they're being um, reaped. Right. Yeah. So you find yourself just having a variation of different foods that you can eat. So to me, it's never boring. It's always exciting. Right. No, it's so true. Thank you for saying that because I, I hate when I'm like with people who eat me. I just say I hate, but it's, it is annoying because they're like, yeah. I, I mean, are you trying to have a salad? I'm like, no, there's yeah. so many options. Like, it, I'm not just sitting around. Clearly, I'm not this like, you know, shriveled up person. I eat. Like, <laughs> exactly. And I love to eat. Right. I enjoy food. Exactly. I enjoy food. And 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 that that's what they think. They think that once you go to this plant-based lifestyle, that you're you don't want to, you don't enjoy eating food anymore. And and to me, oh. that's 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 a bunch of hogwash. I mean, to right. me, eating this type of way, there's so many different things that you could experience from different fruits, different vegetables, and different styles. You know, because right. when you think about it, in almost every culture, there's a there's a vegetarian or a vegan dish from every culture that people Say, so listen, yeah, my where I come from, this is this dish don't have no meat in it, right? Right. And when you look at the continent, there's a lot of food, there's a lot of countries like Ethiopia, for example, when there there's there's a dish that they eat that doesn't have no meat, right? Mm-hmm. In our tours to Ghana, it's easy for us to go and eat because you know you got jollof rice, you got red red, and all these are food that we eat in different versions here in the West, right? And we don't know because. Red red is made from black eyed peas, mm. right? And that's like one of my favorite dishes when I go to Africa. It's jollof rice and red red, right? And fried plantains, and right. you know what I mean, and Gary, and all these things are things that we eat in different versions here. They're made from cassava. They're made from you know what I mean. So, is you'll be surprised as when you travel, and for me through through my travel on the continent, I found myself not having issues eating vegan food. Mm. And I'm talking about not going into a restaurant. I'm talking about street food. Oh, really? Yes, because if you think about it, growing up, for me, growing up in Jamaica, it would, I eat more plant-based food growing up than I used to eat meat because meat was more like a luxury. Yes. Okay. Yep. Right? Growing up, you know, you, you used to plant your own food. So you used to just go to your garden. You used to, you know, you could pick your callaloo, your cabbage or whatever. And you come and eat that. So to me, that was more classified as a as a poor man diet. Mm. Right? And for us, eating meat was more like on a Sunday, you get like some chicken breast or some chicken. Right. Meat. You know what I mean? And throughout the week, you eating kalaloo and you eating um steamed cabbage and you know what I mean, bananas and, and right. things like that. So for me, I think it was easier for me to transition because coming out of that situation, 
You know what I mean? It was it, it was more geared towards home in terms of feeling at home eating that just kind of not easing off the chicken and easing off the fish and eating right. off the, the meat. It was easier because we wasn't eating that on a regular basis then. That's, you know, I love to hear that because I think a lot of people don't realize that people from like Jamaica and even just from different parts of the Virgin Islands, like a lot of the foods are from the land and you guys, it's normally something that you're eating that's, that's been, that you've actually grown, right? Exactly, exactly. Um, because that's it's and not to say that people in America don't black people in America really don't grow, but it's it's very rare that you find people that are just growing food. You know what I'm saying? Like right. it, I remember growing up, my grandmother had a garden. My aunt had a garden, but just like it was just isolated to like maybe like green beans, tomatoes. She would have greens. Um, but it wasn't like constantly like us having like fresh fruits and vegetables all the time you know exactly and i think that's what's happening now in our urban communities Mm because when you think about it i through my wife we we met she worked in the school programs right she she was a school social worker so she worked when she used to work in the schools she came home and she told me that there was a child that never had a strawberry before wow right Wow. And, and when I think about it, I'm like, wow, it's really disparaging to know that the inner city communities are not used to eating. We're used to eating the worst. Yes. Processed foods. We don't eat fresh foods. So for me, I think now is for us to come into that awareness where that we need to start introducing ourselves to growing our own stuff. Yes. Even if it's in it's on the balcony. You know? Yes. I mean, growing things that's easy, like the green beans, the, the ginger. Um, to, things that's easy, herbs, start with simplest things that you could grow and easy to grow and then move your way up and start learning. Because I think, especially with how food prices is with this inflation. <laughs> it's insane. I don't know how these meat eaters eating eggs. It's $8 per egg. I, mean, I don't know how they're doing it no more. Well, but, that was the thing. I was like, I I couldn't even imagine at this right? point, $8 for some for egg? Like, really? Like, but, absolutely man, listen, not. <laughs> I can make, make you a dope egg omelet out of chickpea flour. So out of chick, wait, hold on. You said you can make eggs out of chickpea. Chickpea flour. Really? Oh yes. Chickpea carry a lot of magical things. Now is this in the book? Uh, listen, I'm 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 making another. I'm doing another book. I'm working okay. on another book right now. That's that's kind of because, like I said, this one was owed to the Caribbean and my right. culture, my Jamaican cuisine. So now I'm start stepping in out, stepping out now into now making your own veggie burgers and making your oh, own, nice. you know what I mean? So I'm starting going into the more the standard American diet. I'm trying yeah. to attack that because the standard American diet that we would grow up underneath that that pyramid, mm-hmm. it's a killer, right? Exactly. But exactly. I want to try to use that same standard and create the vegan version of these different things that's there. How to make your own milk, right? Mm. Yeah, because you can make a lot of different nut milks, you know, right. almond milk, you know what I mean, walnut milk, coconut milk, you all these different seeded things you can use to make your own milk from. Right. right? You don't have to drink cow's milk. Right. And, and I'm still puzzled as why we we as humans are drinking milk from another animal. Exactly. Right? When yeah. you already got that from your mother when you were birthed and she put you on her breast and took you off, you was off right. milk. I don't know why we're drinking milk still. <laughs> 
right? it's, it's weird. It, it, uh, when you really think about it, it's so bizarre. It's like I'm drinking a, a calf's like right. meal. Like this is yeah. weird. And then, pay, <laughs> and then they pay all these athletes to come and drink milk and tell you, oh, milk does the body good. And to be like me, you got to drink milk. And right. these, are, these are the things that they use to weaponize food against us in our communities. And we had to start coming into terms that, listen, there's a different way we could attack this, right? Because right. everything that they have in that pyramid, we could veganize it. Mm, I love we that. Could, we could have the healthy version to it. So now this now is my, me trying to attack that um, market and try to use that same food pyramid, but make mm. it into a healthier vegan version. That is, that is amazing work. Like seriously, because I think so many people will benefit from that because people feel like they can't either transition or they don't know how to create the, their burgers that they like or whatever that looks like. So this, like the work that you're doing is amazing to help people in that way because I think so many people just feel like they want to make a change. Yes. They don't know how to actually do it in a way that still fits in their lifestyle. So this is, that's awesome. That's amazing. And, and, and I think this being, I think one of the greatest problems a lot of people face in transitioning to this lifestyle is learning how to prepare their meals. Yeah. And you know how it is. If you go out to vegan restaurants to eat, it's, it's very expensive, right? Yes. So for me, instead of opening a restaurant where I'm just actually giving you a fish, I think for me in teaching and giving a recipe book is actually giving you the fishing rod and yes. giving you and giving you the, the tools that you need to learn how to fish for yourself. I love that. So for me, I think my book is really geared towards helping people learn for themselves mm -hmm. how to do it so they could save time and energy and cost. Right. right. And also for me, building this membership page on my YouTube channel is another aspect of having people engaging. Right. right? Because even within my membership program, once I get it, it's not just learning how to cook and giving you new recipes, but it's also bringing in experts that could talk about the benefits of eating healthy, talking about the benefits that certain food does for your body and how to use certain foods to heal certain aspects of yourself, right. whether it's emotionally or physically, because a lot of our dependency on food is also emotional. When you tie, when you tie it in from, from that cycle, um, you know, from that psychoanalysis um, aspect of how we interact with our emotions, you know, we eat sometimes of how we feel, yep. right? And how this society comes around with food, with the sugar and the salts, right? These bring out certain emotions in us when we are angry and when we're upset. We yes. eat certain food that, go, that coincide with these emotions, yeah. right? And that's how obesity comes in. That's how food addiction comes in. That's mm -hmm. how all these things we use. And I think a lot of us use food as a way to, to nurture or to subdue some emotional pain that we carry. And right. I think um, going the vegan route helps us to release some of these chemicals that these food induces in our body. Right. And, and, and cause us to more start dealing with our emotions up front instead of hiding behind these different things that we use right. to, to, to subdue our feelings. And so I think food is, plays a very important part in our society in, in the way we, as a human family, 
interact with each other because food right. is like when you go to any celebration or party, you celebrate with food. Somebody come over to your house, like, hey, let's cook something in the kitchen while we talk. And right. there's always food present. So for me, food next to God is like the most important thing. <laughs> yes, no, I, I'm right there with you. Trust me. So before we go, I wanted to ask really quick about the tours that you and your wife host yes. um, to Africa. So and you said there's a, you have an upcoming one in March, right? Yeah, we have one coming up in March 10th. We are actually going to Senegal and Gambia. Um, and wow. we're, we're planning on doing another tour. We're planning on going to Ghana in December. Um, oh, wow. but, but that's something that we're, we're still kind of tinkering around with because we personally are going to Ghana in December. But some, some of our, our travelers are like, if you guys are going, just let us know. We probably come. So... Something oh, wow. that we still, something that we are still putting on. But next year, we will be going to Ghana in July. Mm -hmm. um, definitely, we are planning a trip to Benin and Togo as well. Um, really? You know, yeah, this aspect of our, our lives just started when you know, with our desire to bridge the gap between the continent and the diaspora. Because I traveled to Africa back in 1998. That's my mm -hmm. first time going to Ghana, and since I traveled there, I just fell in love. Right. Africa. And, and, and I started, this, this is going to be my fifth African country when I go back. But Ghana has been a place that I've been to back and forth a lot. Right. And I developed a, a lot of relationships there. Uh, we bought land and we are working on a land project right now. Where wow. we, we're offering opportunities for those who would like to own land in Ghana and build houses. You know, because that's my other thing. I'm, a, I'm also in construction, but food is my passion, right? Right. So, incorporating all these aspects into one thing you know we're working on projects over there when it comes to food as well and trying to incorporate different things so africa does kind of put us into another dynamic of mm -hmm. of, of what we want to bring and when we go there food is another part of the experience as well right. so we go to these different places and we try all the different local dishes that's vegan mm. right and, and you get to experience a continent from that aspect as well, learning the different spices and the different types of food that they eat and seeing how it compares to what we eat here at home and learning that connection, you know, of our ancestors bringing these foods over here. So it's, it's a whole dynamic in terms of, of what we bring with our tour experience. And food is also tied around it. Like I said, we sit, we commune, we talk, we eat, mm -hmm. right? And we try to do it eating high vibrational, authentic African vegan dishes. That is amazing. And I, the thing is I've always wanted to go to particularly West Africa and just yes. attempt to like figure out, I mean, not that I'm going to like find like exactly where I'm from or who knows, you never know if that could happen, but I've all, that's always been something I've wanted to do. So I, we have to keep in touch for that alone. I Most would love definitely. to be one of your travelers. I'm serious. You know, like I said, we have um, <clears throat> our other page that we do with our Africa stuff is called Okoma Healing Arts. That's on Instagram, Facebook. Right. Um, you could, you know, people are welcome to go there. Our our website is uh, okomahealingarts.org. Um, you can go to our website. We have a lot of information there about our upcoming tours and past tours that we did. And you know, we just we we doing this for the culture. We just trying to bridge yeah. the gap, just knowing that. You know, we have options in terms of where we could go and to experience, you know, what I mean, our culture and experience our heritage and 
learning different things about ourselves and different aspects of ourselves. And right. we started with the West Africa, the West Africa side of Africa, because uh-huh. most of the people that was brought here as enslaved people to the West came from West Africa, Benin, right. Togo, Ghana, Senegal, Gambia, all these different places. And just connecting with the people and connecting with the culture. And like I said, food being a big part of it is like you see yourself there. Right. Wow. You just wow. see yourself there. So for me, it's a great experience. And mm-hmm. you know, for, for me, that's why I chose this route in instead of opening a restaurant, is putting mm-hmm. out um, a digital product where I could keep myself mobile and I have to mm-hmm. be tied into one thing. I could be anywhere in the world and cook. I, <laughs> I love that. I Chef Bobodi, this has been beyond amazing I, I i can't thank you enough for just sitting down and talking with me and just sharing all this information and just your gifts it's you are a blessing thank you oh, so thank, much oh i thank you for the invite and i'm so honored to be here and share with your listening audience and for me you know just just having people being aware you know yeah. that's that's the first thing just awareness and just hopefully we planted a seed yes. for you to for, for them to start looking into and start looking into their own fi- family dynamics and see, you know, how they could shift that dynamic moving forward and break some of that, some of that, that stereotypes of, of the foods that we eat and, and, right. and, and try to bring a different dynamic to our children and our children, children. And trust me, you will definitely will not regret right. trying to incorporate a plant-based lifestyle into your life. You will definitely not regret it. I have to agree. Seriously, wholeheartedly have to agree. Before we go, please let everyone know where they can find you. I know you mentioned your website and everything, but just share with everyone again. And it's it's still all be in the show notes as well. But yeah, definitely yeah. definitely let everyone know. Sure. So chefbobod.com. That's my website. I have my digital book there. I also have my daughter's digital book there as well. Yes. Right? She has an awesome... If you have a sweet tooth, <laughs> listen. <laughs> if you have a sweet tooth, that's definitely the book to get. Yeah. You got, you, listen, you got your cinnamon rolls, your brownies, your cookies, uh, apple pie, everything veganized. Right. right. All your favorite treats veganized, right? And if you love authentic Jamaican cuisine, I have my digital product there as well, giving you all the, all the j- favorite Jamaican jerk chicken, mm. oxtail, curry go, curry chicken. Right. Aki and sawfish, uh, all of that veganized right right and i'm like i said i'm currently working on some a juicing book right now and i'm also working oh, nice. on because on i just did for the month of february for the month of january sorry i did a whole raw for the whole month i went raw oh wow so during that time i was able to start developing some raw recipes so listen there's a lot you could do with a zucchini <laughs> right? Right. I learned that. Uh, yeah. So if you're if you're a pasta lover, listen. Right. Oh man, I made some amazing uh, raw pasta, but I digress. I'm working on a, raw, a book for 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 those who want to try raw foods and want different raw recipes. I love it. I, I have that, and you know, I'm just trying to build a community where I can help to share my gift and share my talent with those who is willing, those who are willing to learn. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm just here for the healing. I love it. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much again. Like you have blessed me. This has just been a, an amazing time. So thank you so much again. Oh, I appreciate you. And thank you for having me on your program. And I, yes. listen, 
we'll definitely have to connect one day and yes. I'll, have to, I'll, I'll have to to prepare something for you. Whenever you're in the Florida area, yes, South Florida in particular, we will connect. I need that chicken sandwich. <laughs> oh my gosh. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode. We were beyond blessed. Oh my gosh. I, I, I'm loving this. So thank you for being a part of this Black History Month series. You have you. Th- this has sealed the deal for me. I'm like seriously, <laughs> not even joking. Yeah, so um, I'm also on other social media platforms: Instagram, Chef Bubba D, Facebook, and all that good stuff. But you know, I'm I'm, I'm trying to get out there because this is a whole new world for me in terms of this whole social media aspect. So I'm, yes, I'm <laughs> no, I I hear you. I hear you. Trust me, because. Well, I'm 44, so it's I'm. I thank God for my daughter. She helps a lot with and the TikTok and all that. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning. I'm, I'm recruiting my younger ones. They might employ you right now. They, <laughs> yeah, they're the one that's doing all my, my son. He's he's 11. He does all my my editing on my videos. Oh, so, I love it. So when you see my videos, it's not me, y'all. <laughs> listen, thank God for kids. <laughs> listen, listen. I'm trying to tell you. Oh my gosh. All right. Thank you so much again. And thank you all for listening this week to the Enemy Podcast. I'll see y'all later on. All right. Bye. Peace. Thank you. Thank you. Hey y'all. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Enemy Podcast. I am so happy that you all keep coming back to listen to these awesome conversations. And so please, if you have not, please subscribe to the podcast. If you haven't rated or reviewed the show, please take the time to rate and review the show. These conversations mean so much to me and I hope they mean that much to you. So definitely continue to rate and review start rating and reviewing and continue to share or start sharing the podcast with those that you love or those that you're trying to love. (laughs) All right, y'all. I'll see y'all on the next episode. I love you. Bye.